Welcome back, everybody, to this episode of Drunk Bible Study Bonus Edition for episode... 156, was that it? Yeah, sure. No, sorry. Nope, 165. <laughs> I switched that in my mind. <laughs> 165. Can you even believe it's been that many episodes so far? Nah. It is wild. No, I cannot. Wow. Well, here we are. Another week full of antics by God and and other people. (laughs) Honestly, this week, a lot of the antics were done by this guy, Ishmael. Not the Ishmael that happened like many, many moons ago, but a newer batter Ishmael. (laughs) That's a good way to put that, yeah. (laughs) Indeed, yeah. Yeah, so... He killed this guy. He killed this guy, Gedalia. And Gedalia was a nice boy. He was a lovely, a lovely man, just trying to do good. He was appointed the governor, governor, by uh, Nebuchadrezzar. And he was trying to like do nice things for people. He was really nice to Jeremiah. He was nice to a lot of the Jewish people. He was encouraging people to cultivate the fields and the vineyards and lay the foundation for security. Yeah, right. he was throwing a festival. He's like, it's yeah, going to be great. Don't you worry. Wine and fruit festivals, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the Jewish community, they begin to prosper. It was good. It was, it was nice. So people were coming in and he was welcoming them. The Jewish people were coming to this land and he was welcoming them. So that was nice. It was a, it was a lovely time. But then. Not of bloodshed. But then. This MNFer, I can't say the words on this show. <laughs> Ishmael. Uh huh. Yeah, he was not a good guy. So, okay, let's talk about Ishmael. So, Ishmael was this very ambitious man, and he was a descendant of the royal house of Zedekiah, who was the last king of Judah. And so I think, like, to some degree, he felt as though this was his birthright. Mm, He felt entitled. But he was not the governor. Mm. He wasn't no governor. Mm. So that means that he was just a very, very salty man. And he was like, you know what? I'm angry. I'm going to do something about it. So he was jealous, and he began to plot against Gedalia. And the king of Ammon was an ally of his, was an ally of Ishmael's. And so they had kind of like decided together to do something. So they did. They killed him. They (laughs) got a bunch of people together, 10 followers at this big banquet that the governor threw. Wait, I don't remember this banquet part of the story. Where are you getting that information from? So, okay, this is from Shabad.org. Okay. Apparently, this happened at Rosh Hashanah. Didn't realize that from the text, but here we are. I see. Yeah. Yeah, So, yeah. I mean, that's something that I'm going to get to later in this bonus, too, is like elaborations on stories from the Talmud. Yes. So, that's that's what this is coming from as well. Got it. It also is Rosh Hashanah right now. Or, I mean, it'll be over by the time this is released, but yeah, good timing. Yeah. But there you go. Exactly. Wow. R.I.P. Gedalia. Exactly. Well, so Ishmael came to this banquet with 10 followers. It was a Rosh Hashanah banquet. And during this feast, this band of merry men attacked and slew the governor. And they assassinated him and they commenced this terrible massacre of a bunch of people. And then he murdered a ton of followers of Gedalia. It was terrible. It was a bad time. And so, It's like yeah. the Red Wedding from Game of Thrones. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and he bounced with a bunch of captives and he headed for Amon. Right, Amon. Yeah. Yes, he went to the tide with the Ammonites. Exactly, yes. Yeah, we got that in the story, yeah. Yeah, so anyways. And it was all just because he felt entitled to the kingdom? That's what I was wondering. It's like That's someone what paid him off, says. someone manipulated him, but it seems like more just that he kind of thought he should rule. Exactly. It's a very like personal thing for him, according mm. to this, that he felt, mm. well, I'm one of the last of the kings, the line of kings, like this should be mine, and it's not. I see. Yeah. But the fact that he was working with the Ammonites, I got to feel like they must have worked out some kind of deal though, right? Or maybe, the Ammonites like, I don't hey, know. you deserve this, and if you kill this guy, we'll let you rule the land, and who doesn't want to rule a land? Yeah. Did he go on to rule that land, though? Well, it says that he, Ishmael, with a few followers, managed to escape to the land of Ammon. And so that was it. I don't think it worked out great for him in the end. (laughs) Yeah, I guess he escaped. He was able to, like, kill the guy, and then that was it. Hmm. But, you know, and then it essentially goes on to talk about the fact that Jeremiah prayed to God. This, This is interesting, too. It says that Jeremiah prayed to God for 10 days. Yeah. And then finally God answered his prayer. I see. So it wasn't like he sent a text, Yahweh left him on red. Yes. And then 10 days later got back to him. It was like, no, he was texting him every single day. Yes. He was praying every day. Yeah. And then he finally received the divine message where, of course, he was like, please do not go back to Egypt. And everyone, also this says that everyone told Jeremiah like, hey, we'll do whatever you say. Mm-hmm. We will trust you and abide by whatever God says. And then he told them, okay, God says don't go to Egypt. And they were all like, ah, <laughs> F you, man. We're going anyways. <laughs> yeah. So, totally. you know, then all of that crappy stuff happened. And that's it. But at wow. this point, I didn't realize. So Ishmael, I guess, is still alive. I don't. And and I think from he's the still Wicked, alive today because we never heard about him being killed. <laughs> no, but from yeah, from the the <laughs> Wikipedia article, it says at this point he disappears from biblical narrative. Okay, so, so we just don't know. We don't okay. know what happened to him. So who hmm. knows what happened after that? Exactly. Wow. Jeez, wow. this guy got away with a, a lot of killing and. I appreciate that the Bible put that in there, but I'm sad that we didn't hear what happened. It's too bad. Mm, that's it. Maybe maybe he's still out there, still roaming. Maybe. Roaming, the trying to avenge himself. Of the descendants of the descendants. His, his long line of royal descendancy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All believing that they should be the ones to govern. Well, okay. Let me tell you about what happened at the end of this chapter, which was we got Please. this prophecy about... Babylon conquering Egypt. And so even if the Israelites go to Egypt, it's going to end poorly for them, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. now I went through an interesting back and forth when I was researching this between like, ooh, spoilers. Oh, Babylon totally conquers Egypt. Wait, spoilers. Maybe they don't. Oh. Wait, spoilers. No, maybe (laughs) this person conquers. Wait, like there's actually a lot of back and forth about this, which is surprising both in kind of secular sources and biblical sources as well. Okay. So even starts out with, you know, my favorite, defendinginerrancy.com. Oh, boy. That references Jeremiah 43.8 saying, you know, how can these verses talk about the invasion of Nebuchadnezzar when there's no evidence that it actually happened? And so according to them, they say that there is a little bit of a problem because Greek historians don't make any mention 
of this. Okay. Hmm. However, of course, it's defending inerrancy. So they're like, no, 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 it totally happened. There's, there's definitely evidence that this happened. And so the timeline gets a little bit fuzzy in my reading of it. But basically, yes, there's a really famous battle, the Battle of Carchemish, or maybe Carchemish, probably Carchemish, that happened in 605 BC, which was when Nebuchadnezzar did attack the Egyptians and he did win that particular battle. Mm. And it happened around this time. However, there's some debate about how actually influential that battle was Mm. because there are some historians who are like, yes, and this was like a key battle. Nebuchadnezzar took over the region. Babylon became a superpower at this time because they had these holdings in Egypt as well. But it seems like if you actually look at history, there were a lot of battles and invasions that happened after that. And so I think there's a little bit more of like a land war struggle Mm. between Egypt and Babylon that happened around this time. Mm. Like they were constantly having little skirmishes back and forth kind of? Yes, yes. And now I did find my favorite thing to find when I researched these bonus episodes, which is a website that came straight out of 1994. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. You know, just, you, you know him. You know him. You love him. Um, this is from a place called Sanity Quest, which I also thought was pretty funny. <sighs> wow. And it's Cute. this person who is trying to make the argument, no, Babylon never conquered Egypt, despite both Jeremiah and Ezekiel predicting that Nebuchadnezzar was supposed to conquer Egypt. Uh-huh. And this person is laying out, yeah, these prophets make these prophecies, but it's not correct. And so what does that mean? We have to look at the Bible as something that maybe contains errors the way we look at every historical document. So this site seems to be the counterpoint to defendinginerrancy.com. Fascinating. Okay. Mm. Defending errancy is what they're called. Defending errancy, essentially. Sanity quest. You know? They're the same thing. Right. Okay. Uh Good, good. And I really appreciate this line that this person writes uh, in their preamble to this essay. You know, basically where they're saying you know, we can't interpret the Bible as having no errors. If you disagree with the preceding statement, the rest of this essay will be irrelevant to you because you will be judging all historical evidence by its conformity to the Bible. This makes you literally not worth talking to outside the company of others who do the same. Goodness. (laughs) Yes, that's what it's like, whoa. Salty. Goodness. I like it. Okay, (laughs) chill. And this person goes through a very, very detailed timeline, looking at all the historical evidence, and they land on the side of Babylon probably did attack Egypt, but as far as actually conquering Egypt, it was probably a different Babylonian king named Cambyses. 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 Part of it being that apparently in the Bible, the name of the pharaoh at the time of Babylon conquering Egypt changes and is a little bit Mm. inconsistent. Mm. So, which is something that we've also come across in this book. Yes. Yeah. So, in conclusion, maybe. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Good. Good. Wow. Babylon and Egypt probably had some kind of intercourse. Yeah. Some kind Mm. of violent, aggressive intercourse. Okay. Right. Whether it actually happened at this time or not, or happened in exactly the way that the prophets predicted it, that's a little bit up in the air. But uh, yeah. Fascinating. Boy. That's what I got. Cool. Okay. So the thing that I looked up was Nebuzaradan. 
what's this guy's right. deal? That right? guy sounds like Seriously. a Pokemon. Does sound like a Pokemon. Yeah. Also, something that had just not even occurred to me at all is that Nabu Zaradon, that Nabu part, and Nebuchadrezzar, well, that Nebu same, right? part, mm-hmm. is the same. And oh. it comes from the god yes. Nebo, yes. who is one of the Babylonian gods. And he was the patron of the art of writing. Oh, how lovely. And the god of vegetation. Oh. Super cool guy. His symbols were the clay tablet and the stylus. Right? So, super chill. However, in the Old Testament back in Isaiah... He did denounce specifically the worship of Nebo or Nebo was was one of the ones he kind of went after, which is not not surprising at all, really. Huh. So I was trying to look into Nebuzaradan because I was like, what's why have I heard this name before? What's the deal? And part of it is that we came across him back in Second Kings. Oh, really? That he oh. was the captain of the guard who came and destroyed Solomon's temple. Oh and, I see. and killed and or imprisoned a bunch of the Jews. Okay. But in looking into him, I found stuff in the Talmud that gives a lot more backstory and a lot more detail to this guy's story after uh, that's not included in the Bible. And so the first of these is that Nebuzaradan was commanded by Nebuchadrezzar to go and, you know, conquer Judah. Uh And he was kind of scared to do it because he remembered Sennacherib, who was back in also in Second Kings, who was the one who tried to invade, but then like they all just died mysteriously, I think. Jeez. I think he was that one. And he's like, yeah, so like that happened to him. And I just, that doesn't sound cool to me. So I'm a little scared. But he loved Nebuchadnezzar so much that he was like, okay, I'm so loyal. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to go. Whoa. I'm going to go okay. get him. Go get him. Right. Okay. It was also rumored that he had a picture of Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, like and his... taped on the front of his chariot. What? So it's like he was there in front of him. Oh, all the time. It's like I love taped. this person so much. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh my god. Oh. Not taped actually, but just... he had a a picture there. Yeah. Like the inside of his locker. Yeah. So That's it adorable. says an image, an image of Nebuchadnezzar's likeness was engraved on Nebuzaradan's chariot. Aww. And he regarded that image as though Nebuchadnezzar was actually there. Aww. So just really, really loyal. Really loyal. Sweet. That's adorable. I also found some some before I go on with the rest of this story, I did find some differing in terms of his title. That Captain of the Guard is one way it's translated. And then like Chief Butcher or like the person who doles out capital punishment or the Goodness. executioner is also another translation of his title. So it's unclear huh. how prestigious this title really is, I guess. Goodness. But he's leading armies, so prestigious enough, I guess. Yeah. So then, okay. So then it goes on that he was tasked to go destroy the temple. And we're going to get to this actually probably in the next episode or or a few after. So this is a little bit of a teaser-ish, but we've read it all in Second Kings, so it's okay. And that he's going to go to destroy the temple, to destroy Solomon's temple. And that Nebuchadnezzar sent to him 300 mules laden with axes that are able to cut iron. Axe mules? So like super strong axes. And him and his men were supposed to chop down the doors to get into Jerusalem and destroy the temple. And they couldn't do it. 
the axes kept breaking. Like the, the temple doors just would not break. Whoa. And so Nebuzaradan sought to return to Babylonia and said, I'm afraid. Uh-huh. I want to ensure that they will not do to me just as they did to Sennacherib, you know, who, who dies here trying to do this yes. same yeah. thing. Understandable. Yeah. Yeah. But then a divine voice emerged and said, Leaper, son of a leaper. I can only assume this is Le- like... Not leper? Leper? Not leper, leaper, L-E-A. Leaper. We're like Lords okay. of Leaper. Okay. Okay. Leaper, son of a leaper, Nebuzaradan, take the leap. As the I, time okay. has arrived, <laughs> as the time has arrived for the temple to be destroyed and the sanctuary to burn, one axe remained for him to use. He went and struck the gate with the dull end of the axe and it opened. Whoa, this is magical. What a fairy tale. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. So this voice came to him and told him, now's the time. Now go uh-huh. do it. Take your one last axe. And he goes and does this. And the gate is breached. And then he proceeds in killing until he reaches the sanctuary. He lights it on fire. The sanctuary rose, seeking to enter heaven so that it would not burn. But they trod upon it from heaven and returned it to its place, what? as stated. I, it's, okay, slow down. Okay. Please slow down. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. The sanctuary rose to heaven? Like, up up and away? Yes, I think so. The sanctuary starts levitating up toward heaven. So oh my goodness. But they trod upon it from heaven and returned it to its place. So I guess they like jumped so, up but on they're it. They're like, to... no, get down there. <laughs> like, you stay down here. What? Oh my gosh. This is bonkers. Yes. And, and then Nebuzaradan became haughty, taking pride in his conquest. Of course he did. Of course. A divine voice emerged and said to him, your haughtiness is unwarranted. As you killed a nation that was already dead, you burned a sanctuary that was already burned and you ground flour that was already ground. As it is stated with regards to Babylonia, basically the the message of this is that Yahweh already did this. You just kind of came and got the credit, but but Yahweh is actually the one, you know, God's actually the one who destroyed this. Okay. Your role is insignificant. That's the message he was given. Okay. So now this is where it gets really wild. He then reaches the sanctuary and kills, or, or I guess some of his men had killed Zechariah, who was the priest. And his blood is there in the temple and it's boiling, like bubbling. And since they had attacked the temple, it like kept boiling. And Nebuzaradan was like, what is this? And they're like, this is the blood of offering that was spilled. And he's like, uh, bring some animals. I'll kill them and make sure that that's not just happening here all the time. And he kills some animals and their blood doesn't do it. Just this blood of Zechariah keeps boiling. Keeps boiling and boiling and boiling. And then... He's like, reveal the source of that blood to me or I will you know, murder you and torture you. And they're like, this is the blood of the priest and a prophet who prophesied for the Jewish people with regard to all this stuff that's happening. And he's like, I know, I will pacify this blood by killing more people. So he brought all the sages and he uh, killed them. Is that, and it didn't is stop. Is that how it works? Is that how it works? <laughs> Apparently he Some thought it was. Some spooky boiling blood happens. You're boiling like, I know blood. what the solution is. Yeah. Oh my More gosh. blood. Yeah. This is nuts. So he brings all the sages, kills them over the blood, and it keeps boiling. Okay. He brings all the school children, kills them over the blood, oh. keeps boiling. He brought young priests, killed them over the blood, doesn't happen. He keeps going until, according to the Talmud, he kills 940 
thousand people. Gosh, which, too many people. Which again is those numbers that's like, that's not yes. possible. Yeah, that's it's not, not that yeah. many, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it didn't stop. So then, Nebuzaradan approaches the blood and he's like, yo, Zachariah, do you want me to kill everyone? Because I'm going to keep going. Goodness. If like, <laughs> that's what it's going to take. And then the blood immediately ceases boiling. And he freaks out and basically converts on the spot to Judaism and uh, becomes a wow. devout follower of Yahweh. Okay. okay. But okay. he's in the clear, though. Because he converted to Judaism, like you killed. Yeah, he deserted all these his people, army. But it's okay. He deserted his army and dispatched a last will to his house, and then he converted. Well, that's nice of him. And he became a completely righteous convert, and just and that's and that's it. That's the end of his story. Oh Isn't that freaking wild? Yes, it is. It's super. Wild. I will say some of the stories from like the Jewish extended universe are quite fun. Yeah, way cooler. This is the <laughs> same extended insane. universe that gave us the whole trivia about how if you say Rahab's name, just instant orgasm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right. She was so beautiful. Yeah, I appreciate it very much because it really is challenging. It's so dense. The Bible itself is so dense. And you do want to go back and sort of parse out like what exactly happened mm-hmm. and where these people got to, you know, why they, they got to where they got. <laughs> they got all up to. Yeah. And so I really appreciate like going back. That's why the bonus editions are lovely. It's good. It's good for us to do this. If nothing else for me, mm-hmm. to understand better. It's good for our brains. Yeah. Yes. To understand better what the heck is going on. So that was great. Wow. <laughs> Love it. Alrighty. Well, everyone, we hope that you got to understanding a little bit more as well. We're going to continue on with many chapters of Jeremiah next week. We're getting close to the end. We're getting there. It's going to happen eventually. We're building up to a climax. So we will see you next week. Bye.